by alone inside. He's got the breakaway with the touch to the right. Go! Your Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by Summit Brewing Company. A great poet and drug addict once said, when the music is over, turn out the lights. And well, the 2019 MPSL season of soccer is over, so it is time to turn out the lights, folks. Welcome to this week's episode of the People's Pitch podcast the official podcast of your minneapolis city soccer club i am your host john and alongside me is the nate morales nate so much anticipation and then it starts yeah and then, and then we have a few blinks and it's over how are you doing and have you accepted that it's almost total off season yet yeah i'm uh i'm definitely in denial i'm like oh it's a game friday there's a game the next week like, yeah and then soccer's part. not ending Ugh. <laughs> so I'm trying to I'm trying to ignore the fact, John. Yeah, it's more of like who, uh, who, uh, and then we do it all over again. Yep. Um. Anyways, folks, this week, uh, pretty packed show actually because we're probably gonna t- talk a lot um, about a few short topics um, and make them into the long form. The team took to the road for the NPSL Midwest playoffs. Get the full story on the trip and the results in Detroit. We also talk about how the MPSL Final Four shaped up and if there's any kind of surprises or things that we see there. And then the city soccer hasn't completely gone away for the summer quite yet, folks. We, we've got a friendly against the Nebraska Bug Eaters ahead of us this Friday. So we'll preview that match uh, and give you all the details there, as well as uh, we do have one more the following week. So it's not completely over. So why don't we uh, why don't we get after it here, Nate? No problem, man. Let's go. So, <laughs> goo. The- <laughs> I, thought, I thought the notes say let's goo. Let's, nope, let's go. Oh, okay. Got, got let's it. Let's go. It. The kids say it. Let's goo. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, John, as uh, the NPSL North champs, Minneapolis City got to make a trip to Michigan to represent Yay. in the Midwest Regional Playoffs. And a trip that far on relatively short notice is never super easy. And the fact that our final destination was Hamtramck's Keyworth Stadium didn't help things at all. Let's talk about who made the trip first. Well, um, okay. <laughs> so starting lineup was Troy Luegi in net, Matt Murakami, Ao, Jonah, and Chuck. Charlie Adams rounded out the back four. And then Max Stewart, Eli Goldman, uh, season debut for a, a familiar name, but uh, – one that moved away from us after he got an internship this summer, Juan Luis rounded out the central three. And then Wexler gets the start on the left with Hutton and Oliver joining him in the front three. And then as far as the bench goes, we had Will Kidd, Nick Hines making his season debut off of a long drive from Omaha, Nebraska. Then we had Dan Hudeman, John Bisworm, Jeremy Handler, Matt Van Benskoten, two water jugs, a bag of balls, and exactly 15 cones. All right. Well, uh, obviously we travel a little light. That's a full bench, man. 
do you uh, do you want to touch on touch on what was going on with the uh, with the two subs that we had briefly, and then uh, and then I have some thoughts about how you structured the lineup to react to that and still complete against still compete against Detroit. So we talked about it in the past that there are extremely many upsides to the fact that we have an all local roster, but there also is one major downside in a league that is this short seasoned, I guess you could call it. Yeah. All of our guys are not just here to play soccer. So that's the downfall when we, we need to go on the road, especially overnight for potentially three to four days, like open-ended. And that includes taking off of work. It's really damn hard to do for guys, especially when a lot of these guys coach during the day so they can play at night. And when we, that's when we train obviously. And when our games are, so a lot of them were had coaching obligations that they were contractually obligated to do in the U S open cup or the, sorry, the USA cup up in Blaine. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know what that is, I mean, I'm sure majority 90% of our listeners know it's, it's like one of the largest youth tournaments in the, in the country. Actually it's the largest largest and maybe one of the largest in the world, if not the largest in the world. So Mm -hmm. There's teams from all over the country and all over the globe that come and and play in this tournament. So it's kind of a big deal and it's kind of it's also kind of the end cap for the club season. So we ran into that. And going into the game, we felt we had a really good core of 15 guys that uh, much like what we did when we went to Sioux Falls, we had just like the right mix of guys um, to go into play. But the soccer gods uh, took a steamy pile of shit on us, and two of our players' flights were canceled the day of due to weather. So Ba and Zuhir, who were penciled in as starters, were now removed, and we had to make a lot of adjustments as a result. Mm -hmm. Um, I truly believe that you know, we'll go into this in detail later, but if they were there, it would have been a little bit of a different story. Um, and I, I mean, at least we could have brought a, a few more players in the game at that point when we needed to make subs, when they were bringing on like D1 and conference, all conference and all Americans <laughs> and like former pros. And we're just like, here, here we have Will Kidd and we have Nick Hines. Yep. And they both did, they both did great, but we only had two of them when they had, you know, six guys on their bench and a goalie. <laughs> so we we made the joke that uh, they actually had more ball kids than we had players. <laughs> it's just true. <laughs> no, I'm not even joking. It nope. literally was true. <laughs> yeah. So, given, so that's think, a story. I think given the players that we traveled with, though, John, I'm going to say the defensive choices were were perfect in my mind. I think putting Charlie back at i don't know i can't remember who's a left back or right back um was great Uh, you know his his engine was was going the whole game obviously ao in the middle uh where he was successful against mid-city along with jonah the pretty much um non-stop starter uh matt murakami played where where we needed him which is which is also good you know he's super versatile and he can play you know a defensive mid or out wide uh on defense and that's where we needed him to be and he, he was able to perform and and lend his speed to uh to helping to try to stop that potent Detroit offense. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit, yeah. but yeah, those guys Chuck and Chuck and um and Matt definitely both collectively get my man of the match award because they had to defend not only really fantastic players but waves of attacks and we'll we'll talk about it more in a little bit. I think midfield definitely a switch for City, um forced to play three guys who all Contend to be a little farther upfield, uh, one of which being Juan Luis, who has been playing in Des Moines this summer uh, while interning and clearly hasn't played for City yet in 2019. Um, 
but generally I think it's an, it was an effective counter to what Detroit was trying to do. Fletcher told me last week before, before we traveled, before you traveled out there or while you were traveling out there that sitting back bunkering down, it's not going to work against Detroit. They're going to break it down. And our players did not, the, the, the three we had in the midfield were not the kind of guys that you have out there. If you're going to try to sit back on the ball and defend. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Right. No, they, they were not the guys. I, I felt like our guys channeled the energy in the stadium the right way in the first 15 minutes. It's it's easy to say that, that they needed to stay focused, you know, I mean, given all the fanfare there. But it's also really hard to expect them to react properly with a crowd like that and what they kind of throw at you. Yeah. And then you have to deal with a team that tosses that type of player at you. We were not perfect by any means in the first 15 minutes, but we absolutely didn't get walked all over. And I thought that it was a very crucial weathering of the storm and, and feeling out period in the first 15 minutes that we we stood our ground and we had chances too. So, it, I mean, they had a lot of the ball. We knew that going in. Um, and it was just a start of showing that, albeit a short-sighted or short-handed um, team, we belonged there. And seeing that, you know, the last two Northern Conference teams that rolled into Keyworth got their tits kicked off, at full strength i think we're we're doing okay yeah man I, i'll also say the wingers and uh and the forwards. it's totally true like it was like what like seven one and five one yeah. or, five, two or something like that like yep that wasn't what the game we played and we played against a better detroit team that's true uh our wingers are forward i thought were really solid choices um justin able to terrorize his defender throughout the game nick hutton is super deceptively physical uh, you don't expect him to to be the guy that can boss you off the ball, but there he is every time going up for those challenges and coming down with the ball. And Wexler, he can play both sides of that ball when needed. So keeping, I'm going to say keeping Will on the bench to start the game probably uh, probably didn't make him super happy, seeing as he's been a, right. a, a constant starter for us. But mm-hmm. it let you play his strength later in the game. The thing is, is like, I, I recognized it as soon as I saw that he wasn't starting. Like, oh, that's good. Because Wexler starting... Will I would say Wexler would not be able to make the same impact off the bench that Will Kidd would, right? Wexler, well, I, Wexler's not a change of pace when you when you bring him off the bench later in the game. Will Kidd is no matter where you put him, whether it's midfield, whether it's whether it's out wide, he's gonna he's gonna come come on play almost anywhere, and his speed and energy level is gonna is gonna change the tempo right when legs are starting to get tired. Someone like yeah. Wex would not for that. I think so too. And like we told the guys that were making the trip, like everyone's going to get at least 30 minutes because you're making the effort to be here. You want to be here. We believe that we have a good group, even if it's shorthanded, that we all can, we all can step on the field and compete. And yes, it it probably for Will, it, it sucks because Will's a 90 minute player for us and he has that engine, but he also didn't complain about it either, which is great to see. He was, you know, he, he, he didn't complain. He got in. He played hard, and he he made an impact, is what which, which is what we needed when he got in. But I think if you if you look at our front three, uh, if you're Detroit City and you see two guys under five foot eight and a tall, gangly software salesman who didn't play college soccer, you would think that you kind of had an okay day ahead of you. <laughs> but I think our our front three was fearless. I mean, Hutton was a constant threat, and just just. He just was having fun out there, like always had a smile on his face. It was like just taking it all in. Like I never thought I'd be here kind of thing right. in, in this type of environment. Um, and and Justin, which we'll get into a, in a, a little bit, I think, was the right type of Oliver fire on the day. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, yeah. he did get a, he did get a yellow card late in the game, but it was absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't have used the words that I heard come out of his mouth towards the assistant referee, but I think he was right in his argument because he was going by defenders and getting yanked on his jersey and 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 pushed around after he was by guys all day. So and they weren't calling it because he wasn't going down. And you know, off air, I'll tell you what he said to the referee, which is <laughs> really really funny. Um, but anyways, the right type of Oliver fire on the day, plus those other guys. Yeah, I agree. So let's talk about the the kind of play-by-play, if you will. Uh, I highly recommend, first of all, that any City fan who missed the game head over to my Kuju. Even though we lost, it's a great one to watch. Uh, Just put it on mute because, god damn, one of those commentators is like just the biggest Detroit City fanboy, and it was really hard to listen to. Like, See, I, I, I agree with you, but I also disagree with you because I don't disagree about the guy. The guy sucks. Yeah. But um, I, I say I agree with you to, to mute it because the guy does say some things. You're just like, just get over yourself. Well, yeah. um, but the I, I think there's two reasons why you should keep it on because it's really funny how um, – they, they talk about our accolades, and they're like, well, Matt Mirakami was a, a standout at Gustavus Adolphus uh, University, and he was an academic All-American, but he's going up against a two-time <laughs> Division One All-American. It was always like, here's our guy, and they yeah. did something good, and then it's their guy is so much better, and it was, it's kind of funny to hear it all happen, and then they're like, Nick Hutton. <laughs> they had nothing it's to say just about a guy. <laughs> yeah. I, their play-by-play guy I thought was great. Yeah, you know, I, I thought I think the, so the, it was he, the color commentator that you're just like, my god. Well, he's it was, a, it was, he was like Callum Wilson crossed with the, or Cal, yeah, Callum Williams, sorry, crossed with like the comic book guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with you on that, but also like you get to hear the the you know outside of the beginning of the second half when the audio feed for the camera wasn't really working. Oh, yeah, it you get to hear like how constant the fans are and it's, it's a cool environment. Yeah, and and honestly, what we talked about um, before we really dive in here, I know I'm kind of pontificating here a little bit, um, but what we talked about with the guys was, and I agree with them. The atmosphere that was there is almost better than an atmosphere you see at, at Allianz field because it's like 100% genuine, like grassroots, energy and it's not it doesn't feel manufactured at all mm-hmm. and it's not to say like what the dark clouds and what tne and all those the other ancillary supporters groups do is wrong or it's it's not genuine it just had a different feeling to it and and that's kind of what the players were saying about the experience um but anyways nate anyway watch uh, the stream everyone it's a great game i think it's i'm gonna say a true clash of the titans john mm-hmm. um city looked really good right out of the gate they looked good out of the gate, despite some communication, some executional errors. We were playing, I would say, bend but don't break soccer. Yes, I, I don't think you could put it any better, Nate. I th- think that from a communication standpoint, I, w- I was working with the guys on the um, uh, in the warm up, and you know, part of the thing we do is some shadow play with our back line, and we were in a small condensed area, and I wanted them to to kind of start the communication in a condensed area so they could really see how difficult it was to hear each other because I knew as soon as the whistle blew and there was more space between defenders, there's no way they could hear each other right. unless they really amped it up. So we needed to, to punch them back, but also do it in a way that we, we kind of call as an away team mentality. And what I mean by that is push when we can 
and sit when we can, but don't park a bus. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like what Fletcher talked about. Don't do that. And that may mean that you're going to get a little bit more direct soccer, a little more long ball at times, but it doesn't mean that you're not, you're going to just try to throw every all the plans out and just start lumping balls up top. So with that, that mindset, we, we really had nothing to lose. So we were just like, let's go out and shock the region, you know, like let's take the adversity and use it as a strength for us. Yeah. I think we mentioned it a little bit, or we started to talk about him. I would, after getting beat a few times, Matt Murakami was, was giving his guy Perkins a lot more space on the right side. This is kind of part of that bend, but don't break um, thought, Mm. but it was all being absorbed by a really organized center back pairing of AO and Jonah. So Matt at first would step to his guy and just get shredded and get left in the dust. But after that happened, you know, once or twice, he kind of gave him a lot more space. He he gave him basically the entire corner of the field uh, as he Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, backed up to the edge of the 18 and let let him put the cross in, like go mm-hmm. for it. Let, you know, try to you know, play it more centrally. We've got guys that are there. Um, I thought it was uh, it was super flexible and and really nice to know that he could count on the rest of the defense to kind of to kind of pick that up. Well, I think that their front three weren't very tall guys, so that was something that we kind of kind of gave him the input on the sideline was let them have that cross because mm-hmm. unless it's on the ground to a player, they're not going to beat us in the air. Right. And we didn't have a lot of tall guys back either, but we had a lot of guys who can get up in the air. And, and I mean, even Chuck can get up and win headers. So um, I, I do give Matt a ton of credit. I mean, he was thrust into playing a position. He's not really used to playing and he was put up against likely the two fastest players in the region. And one of them being the top goal scorer in the region. So he had a tough, tough job to to do and i thought that you know we talked about how he was he's kind of that plug and play type of guy in a variety of places for us this year but outside left is not his position of strength Um, and when he's consistently in a 2v1 situation or a deep lying 1v1 until we kind of made it a tactical adjustment to help him out he was really no fear which is what you needed from him on the day like even when he got beat he was like all right that that's over. Let's go to the next one. You know, and he wasn't hanging his short head. Memory. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. A short memory. I think Stiggy and Eli uh, were clogging up the middle well. Like like I said, usually Eli is a little further upfield. I thought he did a ton of work in this game. He uh, did all over the place. It seemed like everywhere everywhere City was was moving the ball. There was Eli, um, and I think any balls Detroit would cough up in those positions were sent forward to Oliver or Hutton. I think in five minutes, I thought we had the opener, man. Like Juan Luis found the ball at his feet off of a long ball forward from Eli, played off the chest of Nick Hutton, back to Juan Luis. And the Detroit defense in front of him was in total chaos because they all swarmed to Nick Hutton because he was super close. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he was deep in the box. But Juan put the ball high and right between the uprights, Tim Will style, um, <laughs> rather than to the left side of the net where there was nobody close to being able to help there. I think a little more precision. Uh, it should have been one nothing, but at least at this point I'm thinking, Hey, we know that we can get our chances against what, what is the stingiest defense in the Midwest. You know, it, it did. It felt really good because it was in the run of play that led up to that opportunity. And it wasn't, it was us playing our type of soccer and not really changing who we are because the chips were uh, against us, yeah. which is, I think awesome to see. And for a guy like Juan, it's also awesome to see him kind of slot in 
and right away and pick up where he left off with this gang of guys from the jump, really. Like, it didn't look like he was out of place at all. I mean, from a, a run of play perspective, I thought that physically, it's physical soccer never has been his strength. No. But I thought he, he, he used what he used his strengths um, to counter any physical physical play. But I will have to say before I, I dive into my next point here was that I think that centrally is in the back was the weakest point of Detroit. And I, I mean, they have, they have a lot of good players, but they weren't really connected defensively no. when they're, when they were being countered on and, it was almost like they're not used to th- – they're used to a speedy player up top probably, but they're not used to three of them. Yeah. And you could tell it was causing them fits. And they had to make a, a pretty massive tactical adjustment only you know, – we'll, we'll, we'll talk about what the score what the score line was in a, in a little bit. But obviously if you <laughs> if you know, know anything about the game, you know we didn't win the game. Um, and <laughs> they did score goals. But even when they were up – one nothing they made a tactical adjustment that really could have with i think more power on our bench and us having the ability to, to throw it in could have really caused them real bad fits but just on the day it worked for them because of our our personnel um, but definitely the weakest point um but before 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 that, Nate, before the Juan Luis chance, there was a huge one that we need to address. Justin Oliver chased down a, a line-clearing ball, um, I believe, from yes. AO, just to kind of release pressure because we were we were kind of on our heels for a little bit. Yep. And he, he beat one of those slow center backs like he does um, to most slow center backs to the end line, and it appears he was brought down on the edge of the box. I don't feel it was a penalty after looking at it a couple of times. It was on the line of the box, but it was a clear foul. And the referee, she was right there and, and waved it off. And there are, are two sides of the, every argument, right? But even some folks on the Detroit side are saying that they agree that it was a foul. At least a foul. It didn't have to be a foul in right. the box per her judgment. Right. And that even if it if it was if it was called a penalty um or even if it wasn't that would have been a huge swing in the game considering oh, yes. how parts of this match went or we could have gotten at least a really dangerous free kick in, in front of net and, and you know anything can happen on those um and at the best case a penalty kick that we could have had a potential to slot home so again we weren't completely run over, even though the, we knew they were going to have a ton of the ball because that's how they play, and we knew they were going to just throw guys at the attack because that's how they play. Um, but we we had our chances with these two in particular. Yeah, man. I, I also thought Troy Luegi did an exceptional job mm-hmm. given the size of the stage that he found himself on, the pressure of playing against that kind of a crowd, the lack of minutes on the season leading up to this. Um, mm-hmm. he, he was basically thrown into the fire, and you could see him calm down and come into his own as the game progressed, um, making saves, commanding commanding the back line, that sort of thing. In the 22nd minute, however, that opener came from Detroit. I, I would say Wenger-esque ball movement confounded the city defenders. Uh, multiple runners gave Shane Lawson some space to basically plant himself in front of, in front of, in front of the back post and receive a little ticky-tack pass that he tapped past the wiggy, and it was one nothing Detroit. But at this point, it's like, oh, damn, that goal shouldn't have happened. But I wasn't feeling awful. 
Well, before I dive into my thoughts on that one, um, the Detroit fans know Matt Elder well because he broke his leg in Detroit. And they actually, when he was with the Twin Stars, and they actually, you know, care helped care for him at the at the um, hospital, which was nice. You know, like they 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 brought him some care baskets and things like that. And they were (laughs) instead of heckling Troy's last name, which you really can do, (laughs) um, they were just calling him not Matt Elder, which I thought was pretty (laughs) funny. Hey, not Matt Elder. So um, I thought that was that was pretty funny. But anyways, uh, as far as the goal goes, some might say that it was offsides. It was a really close call. Um, even if it was or it was not offsides, what what basically happened was we did not mark goal side, and no. the ball that came in was actually not a pass. It was a mishit shot from Detroit midfielder and former MLS super super draft pick, uh, Bakey Goodman, who I think is their best player. Um, and you would bet for him to put that on frame with power, but he just mishit it. And so it was to simply put it, Troy had his goal covered, and he just did not. We just did not stay locked in around him and mark up goal side properly because everyone was thinking the ball is going to go on goal, and then he scuffed it, and the guy was just there to to knock it in. So versus these type of guys, you have to stay locked in on the little things, and in this case, we didn't, and and they buried their chance. Right at halftime, John, it looked like we might get another one back. Todd, uh, off of a whoa, I started playing the <laughs> started playing the highlight. Anyway, looked like we might get another one back off of a set piece. Headed back into the box that seemed to go, seemed to go in after some chaos in front of the net. But the goal was never called. It was waved off. Uh, the it was, goal line it was technology not, it, could not yeah. have been. It was not it close. Was, it, it was close, but it, the goalie was in the goal, but his his hands and the ball were outside of it. Oh, okay. It was it was close to the line, but it it wasn't hard to it tell from the stream. And Nick it should have gone in. His hand. It should have gone in. We should have scored that. Yeah. Uh, um, but I would say the first half ended without Minneapolis City really testing. The keeper, uh, I think Michigan State's Hunter Morse. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of errant shots, I would say. Poor connections on shots. Nothing really that threatening beyond that last, um, beyond that last chance. But we were still very much in this game. What were the talking points in the locker room at halftime? Well, we talked about how they play, and it was less about what we were doing wrong and more about what they were showing us. And until the guys actually saw what we talked about before the game, it saw it put into practice and what they tossed at us, it, it really didn't sink in. When, when we saw them, they basically, they, they deploy a 3-5-2, um, which, you know, when they're on their heels, they'll go to a 5-3-2. But when they have the ball, it converts very, very quickly, almost drill sergeant-like. Um, with precision into a three four three and in some cases a three three four where they're they're when they win the ball they're 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 getting five four three or four guys up up in front so we had to figure out how to best handle that with with taking calculated risks and not hanging ourselves out to dry basically mm. I thought that uh, at halftime coach handler kind of you could tell the the hamster was on the wheel inside of his head on the bench and he was thinking through like what he was seeing. And I thought he gave a really good look at how we could adjust in the second half. Uh, And, and once that was addressed, it got everyone on the same page. And I think we were then able to put our heads down and and play with purpose instead of worrying about who we were playing, where we were playing at, what they were doing to us. And really just saying like, 
if you see this, do this. It's okay to do it. And it's okay. We all have to be locked in because if one guy's taking a risk, we're all taking a risk, but it's for the greater good. So on top of that, there were not a lot of set of eyes in the room that were glazed over or defeated or not really just chomping at the bit to get back out there and fight like hell, which which is awesome to see. One one thing I did notice, Nate, is that Detroit's kind of soft. And huh. there were there were a lot of like in in quotation marks North Conference type challenges yeah. and, and physical play that they're just not really used to. And and I'm not sure sure if it's because of the home field advantage and when they're playing there they kind of feel untouchable because that's how i would absolutely feel if i played there yeah. i would be like nobody's gonna mess with your players if they're gonna have right. seven thousand fans just right on their ass right or it's a product of where these guys come from that they feel like they're a little bit higher of a tier versus whoever comes in there um but but either way i thought that you know there there were some cards that were thrown out there <coughs> excuse me um and, you know, we're no angels by any means or no saints, but I thought there was a lot of hard tackles that were clean that they made more of a meal of and, and got the calls that they wouldn't get if they were playing in the north. Right. Yeah, I I didn't even, I didn't notice that in the stream, um, but I noticed that they did spend – some of the guys did spend a, a little bit of time on the ground. Yeah, and it was – I mean, outside of the foul, I think, that Eli had and mm-hmm. got booked for – that was like he just destroyed a guy. But the other ones I thought were like just real hard soccer plays, and they were not having any sort of physicality. No, they were you not know. interested in that. Yeah, they weren't interested in that. <laughs> well, throughout the second half, John, I think teams traded chances. Uh, City added Will Kidd into the mix. He really proved his mettle, um, and that's M-E-T-T-L-E. You know, he – was all over the field, similar to Eli. I think another great addition to mm-hmm. to to that dynamic. Uh, Nick Hines, who really hasn't touched a ball since since March, um, and drove with <laughs> he drove with his roommate from Omaha. Uh, <laughs> both of them went in and did a great job, but we just couldn't crack that code uh, on Detroit City, despite a number of shots on target um, that didn't didn't quite hit their hit their mark in the first half. In the second half, Morris had to work. But he was up to the challenge. He kept City off that score sheet. Yeah, it was like almost a game of like, man, if we could have had like this guy or that guy, maybe we would have had like we, we would get to a certain point where we looked dangerous and then we just couldn't connect on the final third. But, it, it, you know, it's sad that we didn't have a full boat, Nate, because there are some really good chances. I think we could have stuck, stuck it to them. Yeah. And they're super talented. You know, I take nothing away from them. But if you think about what could have been, even if we had the two guys whose flights got canceled – you know, you get excited about what we can potentially do in the future when we're starting to play the likes of Detroit and, you know, any of the other big hitters in the MPSL. Like, we're right there in the conversation, even with the fact that we have only local guys, that we only train twice a week. You know, like, we put in four hours a week on the training pitch when they put in, like, two to three hours a day. So it, it we, we definitely belong, That's for sure. Crazy. Yeah, the killing blow came in that 78th minute when the cross uh, finds Ao in the box with his arm in an unnatural position, and Detroit was awarded that penalty. Yeah. Uh, and up to nothing, Detroit was content to sit back, um, absorb any pressure that we had left in us, basically park the bus and run run the clock out. Uh, too bad, but you know, City couldn't crack the code, like you said. Overall, mm-hmm. John, what are your thoughts on 
how all our guys performed and stood up to this challenge of playing not only in a really tough location against tough players, uh, far away from home, a lot of travel, a lot of fatigue. Um, mm-hmm. I think overall, personally, I, I, my hats are off to them, but all my hats are off to them. <laughs> <laughs> I think to, to go back quickly to what happened to AO, um, at that point, we were really pressing them. We were pressing them pretty hard, and we had created quite a few chances that just were for naught. Um, and they got bailed out. I mean, did it hit his hand? Yes. Was it in an unnatural position? It's kind of hard to say that when a guy fires a ball at you from five yards away, like mm-hmm. when you're trying to block it. What like, are you going to do? He didn't, like, he didn't like throw his hand out. It just hit him in the hand. And I get it. Um, but – I also think that we had had just as big of a case to complain about a penalty potential penalty call on the Oliver foul. So it, it was it was definitely a crushing blow like you said because up to that point we were we were giving it everything we had and you know all of our chips were thrown out there given we had the two subs. So <clears throat> I mean it, it it sucks but it it's soccer but the the team we played was fantastically trained and coached. I mean, they were a well-oiled machine and, and they deserve everything that they got during the regular season as, as far as, you know, how well they played and, and how many wins their, their win loss record, their goals for goals against record. It was just super fun to go toe to toe with them. I know a lot of people in that area were really, really excited to see us play and, you know, to, to get a chance, a, a taste of what we can offer. And, and, not, not to give up anything, but put a little bit of scare in their side that that we we threw at them what we could with the guys we brought. And and I was proud of the guys. And, and they were pissed off that they lost um, because they felt that they were right there with them. But they got over it quickly and looked on the bright side that we control what we could control. I mean, they, they had an almost offsides goal, and then they had a penalty kick. And there wasn't anything during the, the real quality run of play um, it was just not our day for the taking. Yeah, I'll, I'll finish up with this. With a full squad, we could have won that game. Absolutely. As it was, we competed for 90 minutes and probably surprised a few people. Um, Absolutely. But we didn't win, so it's on to the end of the summer and thinking about next year already, which is a, which is a bummer. Already started. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it is hard to feel too bad about this loss. Like if you told me, John, if you told me when we we're recording our first few episodes, year one, and I'm learning about the league and we're trying, we're talking about who the role models really are for city in this league. And if you told me that by now we'd be finishing the season alongside the teams like Detroit city, like Tulsa athletic, like Chattanooga, mm-hmm. I would say that's exactly where we wanted to be. That's exactly where we want to be as an organization. Um, we want to be in the mix. We want to be entertaining fans. So, uh, you know, props to you and the staff and the players for doing the hard work to get the team to a place alongside the likes of those really true NPSL giants, NPSL legends. Well, thank you, Nate. It means a lot. <laughs> Even coming from you, it means a lot. Yeah, because um, I'm lying. No, but I mean, <laughs> if you if you pull back the layers even further, we started this whole experiment ten years ago with a Division Four MRSL team. So, yep. It's just leaps and bounds of what we've accomplished. But the last thing that I want to address is that, I mean, I listened to a portion of the podcast that you did while I was on the road with Fletcher, and he said rule number one is don't engage with the fans. I wouldn't say that's entirely true. <laughs> uh, 
they yes they were totally ruthless they did their homework they knew who all all of our names were i thought the funny part was is that um because the guys kind of switched up numbers they kept calling chuck timmy which was really really funny so, <laughs> so they were just throwing harassment of tim wills at chuck which was really really funny but um i feel like the way our guys handled it was to take it in stride and enjoy it and laugh when it was actually funny and give it back a little bit with you know with some respectful undertones right yeah um i i know what it's like when teams come in and 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 don't give respect where it's due i mean people come into our place and where we actually have fans because a lot as we know in our conference even a lot of of teams don't i mean even the bigger teams in like duluth and and med city they don't get a ton of fans and they they only really get a ton of fans when, when we play so like we are the biggest draw and and they come in and they celebrate in front of our fans and they try to prove a point when they do something well. So I get it. Um, so when we didn't do that and we just took it all in in stride, I think it showed how it can be done at Keyworth when you're kind of engaging with the fans, but not not in a negative way. And I think it would have been just awesome. We could have bagged at least one goal and and had you know an opportunity to celebrate in front of the folks that traveled for us instead of having to like the other teams <laughs> do at keyworth and celebrate in front of their fans to try yeah. to prove something i think it would have been nice to at least get that out of it but the guys went over and shook the uh, the northern guards hands afterwards and everyone was real respectful of us and and social media was all ablaze afterwards about how much respect they had for us and how classy we were and that's what you really want to take away from it because at the end of the day we talked about it with uh, the, the Rochester crew that had uh, some hiccups against our U23 team. Yep. That your your brand and your name is really all you got at the end of the day, and if it goes a long way if you can if you can represent it well, and I thought we did. I agree. So plus they got a naked guy. Yeah, that was real weird. Um, didn't think I'd see a penis when I rolled up to the the field, but uh, <laughs> there it was in all its glory. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so even though our playoff run is done, there are still four teams alive that will go to battle this weekend in the national semifinal. You would like to say that the script for who was there was pretty true, but there are some real interesting storylines to cover Nate. So first off, we talk about the two teams that, that should be there. Uh, first off, New York Cosmos B, not really quite sure where New York Cosmos A plays, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, whatever you want to call yourself, this is likely the one team that people look at. They look at their history. Pele played for the Cosmos and yep. pretty much a, a whole slew of famous people that played soccer back in the 70s and early 80s played for them. Um, say, basically, say it this way. Why in the shit are they playing in the MPSL? No kidding. No clue. But they are, so <laughs> they should be where they are. No surprises. They went 13-0-1 in the North Atlantic Conference, which is probably one of the strongest conferences in the MPSL. They had a 47 goals for, four goals against record, and are are basically in the final four and are heavy favorites for the title. So to me, Nate, this is a team to beat and should be every single year because they have the pockets and the players to do so. <laughs> I, you know, it's like, like you said, it almost feels unfair it feels like the varsity team playing in the JV. Yeah, and and part of it is part part of part of these top four, or part of the reason I don't feel bad about 
not winning against Detroit and, and, and just being done in the playoffs is like, eventually we're going to, we're going to run up against the cosmos. Mm-hmm. Eventually any team, the NPSL is going to run up against these two, two teams we're talking about in a yeah. second, the other one being Miami. And it's like, does it even matter? Does it even matter for, for like true am- Can a true amateur team really do it? I mean, I guess on some well, level, that's what the U S U S uh, open cup is for. And it happens, but like year in, year out in the NPSL, it, it probably will not until these teams move on. Well, think about what happened to Duluth last year. They were playing the best they could possibly play, and they squeak into the, you know, on a couple, on the backs of a couple penalty wins into the, the national final four. And they just didn't, they didn't belong in that conversation. And that's not slighting them. It's just that you're playing against Miami. Right. You know, like, we can play against Miami and we don't belong in that conversation. You know, like it doesn't matter who it is. It's, it could be like a Midland Odessa, you know, a really good side or really good. Yep. Baltimore Christos who, who lost to, to, um, to Cosmos B like they didn't belong there either. And they're a, a storied amateur side. So it's I, that. And I guess that's what I'm saying is like, it's too bad that in at the very last stage of the season, like when you're ready to, try to hoist the trophy that every other team in the NPSL besides these two truly don't belong in a game against these two. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, what does that say about your league? Get, get these guys the hell out of here. Yeah, I know it, it's more, it's less about our league and more about us soccer. But anyways, the next, the next team that we've got to touch yeah, on true. briefly is Miami FC. And to me, Nate, this is the one of the full pro sides that got out alive uh, in the regional final, barely. Mm-hmm. Our our buddy Sonny D'Alessandro in his Tulsa Athletics gave him a real good fight, and and saw them sweat out a four one victory. That doesn't the score line does not tell you how close this game was. Um, Tulsa was up early one nothing, and, and I think it was on. I think there was uh, two goals in the, at the very end of the first half to put it two to one, and then they got when Tulsa kind of threw everything forward, they got the other two. Um, but it was, those four goals were on the back of perhaps three of the best players to ever play in the NBSL in Ariel Martinez, Dario Suarez and Miguel Gonzalez. It, it's going to be hard to believe that Miami and New York don't meet in the final, but soccer is weird. So, so who knows? But again, it's just another full pro sided team. And you're like, these guys are making good money. In in fact, they're, some of those guys are making more money than than USL players. Yeah. So it's like, eh, what are you gonna do? I'm not. Um, yeah. So I don't want to rehash what we just talked about, but I do want to give Sonny and his team props. Like Sonny came out on Twitter and he basically said, "We weren't gonna park the bus. We weren't gonna. We weren't gonna pussyfoot around it. We were gonna. Our goal was go to Miami and punch these fuckers in the face." And see how they reacted, and, they, and, and they that's exactly did. what he did. So I gotta yep. give him full credit for that, and I gotta give the team full credit for for not, uh, you know, for not going up in their turtle shell and just trying to save themselves from embarrassment. Because I think by doing what they did, that's the best way to save yourself from any sort of embarrassment against a squad like this. I really, I wasn't just in, you know, on top of just generally rooting for Sonny because he's mm. a friend of ours. Yeah. I was really hoping they would win so that the Cosmos would have to come play against them in a city park, <laughs> which would have been awesome. That would have been. Um, but anyways, Nate, so that's kind of the two top heavy teams. And then there's two typical, what I call in quotes, tournament teams. What I mean by that is teams that catch fire 
in this type of environment and then end up taking down someone who maybe should be there, but they end up coming out on top. So first off, we have ASC San Diego, a member of the Southwest Conference that's it's basically full of high-scoring teams, not a lot of defense. They finished third in a very difficult conference but caught fire in the playoffs and are playing some really good soccer. They took down future Founder Cup side FC Arizona in the regional final to punch their ticket and set up perhaps the first West Coast team to win the title since 2010 when the Sacramento Soul, the now-defunct Sacramento Soul, um, claimed the title. But But since – 2010 it's really been all east coast and midwest teams to win the title so pretty interesting there that uh there's a west coast team in the final four that that might that's playing the right type of soccer right now that could potentially with the talent that they have and and the momentum they have take off one of these these pro sides so uh lastly we have the team that i saw play the number one seeded team in our region which is hard to say uh, because it would have been us if we didn't lose. It would have been us um, in Cleveland SC. They shocked the the lower division world when they beat Detroit FC two days after I watched them get pushed to the brink in a fucking goal fest against Rochester River Rats six four. I mean, we went. Uh, there was a weather delay, so we went into the locker room, and it was it was uh, it was three to one. Cleveland yeah. and then Rochester came back within 15 minutes and tied it up at three, three going all the way into double overtime. Um, and that's the Rochester river rats who had that whole big issue with, Oh, we, we know yeah. the river dogs. Yeah. So they had that whole issue with Ann Arbor and all that whole thing. Mm-hmm. So those guys played a ton of soccer. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But anyways, I'm not sure what it is about the final that confuses me more than a team that should have lost when they won and, and, and they win or the fact that it seems like we kind of took it out of Detroit in our two zero loss and they kind of didn't have anything left in the tank. It looked like two totally different sides. Like they were just out of gas after playing us because I thought we fought them pretty hard. Yeah. So I don't know what it is. If it was, the fact that Cleveland leveled up or Detroit was a little tired from, from the game, but either way um, the guy, this guy, Vinny bell, got to see him in the flesh. He's the real deal. He's the real deal, man. And he's fun to watch. And I just wish I could have seen him play seven years ago when he made his NPSL debut. Yeah. Cause Fletch said he's getting along. He's getting along in the tooth. He looks old. He basically looks like an overweight Tony sauna. (laughs) I I mean, it was funny because we're watching the game kind of finish up before we took the field. And, and, and someone's like, God, he looks familiar. And I was like, he's an overweight Tony Sana. And then everyone's like, Oh yeah, I see yes. it. <laughs> um, but he's, he's so good when he, he expels his energy in the most positive way out of any striker I've ever seen. Um, a lot like you saw with Brandon McGarity, but, but McGarity just had the, the, the piss and vinegar of a younger soccer player to be able to like use his athleticism where this guy just like knows he's slow and knows he can't get up for headers, but you get the ball on his foot. No one can take it off. And all he needs is a half yard. And he scored three goals in that. Actually, sorry. He scored four goals in the six, four game. Wow. So, I mean, he was just on fire and very impressive to watch, but 
<clears throat> excuse me, um, look for them to actually push Miami, I think. And they have some quality all over the field. They did get a red card to uh, to a guy. Um, uh, I forget what his first name is. His last name is Beck. But he he was a good player and Jeff kind of Beck. a – No, it wasn't Jeff Beck of, oh. uh, of uh, Sioux Falls Thunder. Not the guitar player. Not the guitar player, um, but he was a really good player and and someone who I know they would lean on. But he's obviously out of the side because of the the sending off. Um, but they have a few pieces that I don't think Tulsa had, and it's not to say anything bad about Tulsa, but they just they throw a little bit of a different look at at uh, at teams than Tulsa does, which I think might match up well against Miami. And you also have that Vinnie Bell factor. So they could be like the Duluth of last year's tournament and knock off this pro side. Um, or they could totally shit the bed and get rocked. But that's just the type of team that they are. They, they, they could go all for broke or all for not. So uh, I think it'd be cool. I, I think Cleveland is. To um, see Cleveland or, or San Diego win would be best case scenario for me. Yeah. I think you guys, everyone can follow the matches on my Kuju. Uh, the national semifinals are both, both going to be played at the same time at 6 p.m. Central. Um, should be fun to watch if you can dual monitor the situation. Um, but obviously that's to make sure that nobody, like, you know, throws the game or something. <laughs> Some sort of match-fixing controversy is avoided if they, if they start at the same time. Like people thought that we, we threw the game against Red City. Exactly. Anyway, uh, anyway. So check it out. 6 p.m. Central. Uh, what day was that, John? Saturday. Saturday, good, because we play Friday. Speaking of that, uh, just because that regular season is over, it doesn't mean that we're through with soccer in the city. My players, we will welcome the Nebraska Bug Eaters to the friendly confines on Friday. This one won't get snowed out. (laughs) No, that's right. It is the return leg of an earlier match where our U23s traveled to the land of the corn only to lose 3-0. Of course, they did try to come here last year. And uh, we got snowed out in April. Mm-hmm. We tried to open the season with a friendly against the Bugs, and that didn't work. Uh, so it's nice. This is good scheduling, John. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think so. With NPSL squad players available uh, this time, I think it'll be a little different. Probably won't lose three nothing. But the Bug Eaters they boast a model where they find talent. Uh, they give them minutes over the summer. Talent that's more local to Nebraska, which mm-hmm. as we've established. Really good teams down there. Uh, mm-hmm. Nick Hines went to Hastings, right? Creighton is over there. Uh, there's a few others. Of course, there's a lot of community college in Western Iowa and Nebraska that that boast some good players. But Jonathan Jonathan Kalura, who we talked to on the show, and I hope hope to interview on Friday uh, if I can catch up with him if he's around. Uh, he uses his connection in the lower leagues of England to get these guys signed. So it's mm-hmm. part of part of his way to draw players to basically the middle of nowhere. Is that he's got he's got three guys already that he's signed to the lower to the lower leagues coming out of the the bug eaters and I think that raises the bug eaters profile um, helps like I said helps serve as a magnet to talent uh, not not a bad idea so the players that were that we're going to go up against might not be slouches no they're definitely the real deal I think you're right and you talk about the backgrounds whether it's Nebraska Omaha is a strong D one program Hastings College Creighton. Or just guys off the boat that are in the area, maybe some guys from Denver out west. Um, so they can play. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure, however, if if any of their guys are going to be 
already back home or to school early. But regardless of that, the players they have, they can ball. So it'll it'll be it'll be a, a good match. Yeah, I, I think the other thing is <laughs> when it comes to like any of the guys going back home or to school. Uh, the, I, I'm not sure if if the roster is accurate online. Like, there's like a. I was looking at the Buggies roster and like we literally have no idea who we're gonna go up against because no. the roster is easily sixty men long. Well, and it boasts uh, one Duncan Whirling of former City fame. No so, shit. Yeah, oh yeah, so... there he is. He played because he plays for Creighton. So he's, yep. a, he's a bug eater. That would be great if he was able to come home and play against us on Friday. Yeah, I, I I always love it when a when a former crow flies back to the nest. But again, you got four goalkeepers on the roster. You got three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen defenders. Three, six, <laughs> nine, twelve, eighteen midfielders. They have uh, more more players at specific positions than went to Detroit for us. Yeah, so it's like, <laughs> how do you how do you how do you plan for this team? I think you just kind of put the best guys out there. I anticipate the story of the game. Uh, we'll be giving city some city fan favorites some time to shine, but I really I, I think really focusing on minutes for younger members of the squad and U twenty three call ups might be the way to go on Friday. Am I wrong? I think you're correct, but we won't really know the exact lineup for a day or so. One thing to think about, though, Nate, is that we did have two U23 matches that were dropped due to the opponents backing out. So as a result of that, you could see this as more of a chance to put the full side into the full Nelly experience, you know, with the announcer and with, you know, the all of the, the pageantry around the game. But I think I think either way, It'll be it'll be fun. We got we we have talent just oozing out of all of the orifices here. So whether it's some of the more of the U twenty three guys or it's some of the the more of the veteran players, uh, regardless of who it is, it'll be a, a really great time. Uh, so definitely come on down and check that out. I think that'd be great if that's the case. I think there's a lot of guys in that U twenty three squad squad. I am interested in seeing, especially. Uh, Rory O'Driscoll, right? So if we can see the O'Driscoll brothers on the field at the same time, wouldn't that be a treat? That would be a treat. Or you might get some familiar names from the call-ups like Eli Goldman, maybe, yeah. and Noah Sen, you know, some of those guys, Mike Riley. So, and, and a whole slew of other players that you haven't uh, gotten to see, like you said. So it'll, it'll be a fun time. And uh, it's just good to watch good local soccer. So come on out. Friday's game is going to be extra cool. Because it is Bark in the Park night. Fans can bring their puppers to the pitch. Uh, for an extra $5 fee on top of your ticket, you can chill at the game with your best friend. My dogs, John, are going to be up in the booth with us, peeing <laughs> in your shoes. No. Do I, well, do I have to take them off first? Or what? I don't I don't quite get that. Are they no, just going to. They're, e- they're easy. They'll pee just... whether or not you're wearing your shoes or not. <laughs> they're just gonna take a big, a big, a big here in my size nines. No, they're not. They're not coming. I'm not dealing with them. They're crazy. They're crazy animals. Game time is gonna be 7 p.m. on Friday, folks. Tickets for you and your dog are available online right now at mplscitysc.com. And that is all for tonight. Thanks as always to our sponsors, Summit Brewing. Uh, it is definitely summertime, and you got to beat that heat with a delicious summer ale from Summit. Perfect for slamming after mowing the lawn on a hot-ass afternoon or slamming after your neighbor yells at you for doing light remodels on the outside of your house. Get your local watering hole and get some on tap today or mosey on down to your local liquor store and pick up a 12-er. You are a better person for doing so, unlike your neighbor who's awful. 
Uh, Summit, a more meaningful brew since 1986. I may have been talking about my neighbor. If giving back to the community <laughs> means a lot to you, maybe it's time to give to the club that gives back. Minneapolis City is a 501c3 that provides a safe, reliable, and fun environment for young people to play the beautiful game. Look for us this summer playing with kids in parks and community centers across the city and consider that tax-deductible donation to a true city-focused organization. Uh, go ahead and keep supporting Minneapolis City. Memberships will always be available for you. Right now, you get that discounted membership for only $40. You can support the club and get some cool stuff. You get a season pass. You get exclusive membership scarf. You, know, you get those extra tickets. You get a membership card that gets you 10% off the club shop. And, of course, it gets you deals on Summit at the Game Day Bar, which is Palmer's. Those deals on Summit are good all the time. Plus, you get a vote on important club matters, including selecting the membership board and choosing the upcoming new scarf and new kit designs that will be uh, that will be voted on over the over the winter. Visit mplscitysc.com and make that happen. Uh, it's gonna get slow. You're gonna have a lot of questions uh, once games once once you get uh, once you don't have the games to to think about and talk about. You're gonna want to ask us a lot of questions about rosters and uh, our analysis. So. Make sure to hit us up on Twitter at the People's Pitch or through email at mcscpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, everything is welcome. Questions, comments, concerns. Finally, as always, complain to the club at mplscitysc on Twitter. And that's all for this week. I am Nate. That was John. We're going to be back next week. We're going to get that recap of the Bug Eaters game. And for this season, our official, unofficial season awards. We hope to see you out there this Friday night at the Nelly. And yeah. you got hoofed. 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 Burning maple weeds, cradle major keys. Thinking back, I've been major since the minor league. So supreme, too much sauce off my olive NMDs. I can staple steeds, bend the gold so I get the cheese. Never fall, rake them leaves and make sure every moment gets seized. And everything I see. Um, Murakami, take your anal beads out one at a time. <laughs> slower, look like, at me. Like, no, Murakami, <laughs> it's gotta be slower. And you could hear it on the bullhorn, like across the field. <laughs>